Let's do it. Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? It's 499-9526. That's 499-WJBO, and we're glad to answer anything you might have. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call, too. That's a fact. Boy, I tell you, you just had our auto awareness class last weekend. That was a great class. That was one of the best I think we've ever had. I'm telling you, everything hard went to say, off. they all go pretty well, but that yeah. was really good. Yeah. Everything went off without a hitch. A lot of great information got put out. Good, good group of folks. All of them had a lot of questions and seemed very, very interested and at least entertained. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, nobody was yawning, so. <laughs> but yeah, it was a real good class. And if you go to the website and register under auto awareness class, what I'm trying right. to spit out here, get online for the next class that we have. Because what happens is that when we register class, generally when we announce it, it pretty well fills in just right away. So I know this class, we had nine or ten people who wanted to register who just didn't get a chance to attend. So best thing is to go ahead and get your name on that list because about a week before we announce it on the air, we'll notify all those folks and give them the first shot at it. Right. So we will be holding another one sometime this year. I can't tell you exactly when. We've got a lot of construction and updates coming at the shop, and it's just kind of hard to stop and hold a class. But we will have another at some point. So go ahead on the website and get registered, www.agcoauto.com, agcoauto.com. And that's just one of the many things you can do on that site. And we're going to the line. Yes, sir. How you doing? Doing great, sir. All right. I have a 98 GM. Okay. You know, like on the front of the old trucks, they have like a piece of plastic underneath the metal bumper. I think they call it the air dam. Yes, sir. Right. I know exactly what you're talking about. I ripped mine out yesterday. Okay. Do you think... I partially ripped it out. Yes, sir. Do you think you can reattach it, or can you get me, like, a new one? Normally, you can reattach them if it's all mostly intact. What it does, generally, is it breaks the bolt holes out. Yeah. We've had pretty good luck getting, like, a washer and putting around the bolt, and it kind of grabs it out a little bit further, and we're able to put them back on. Sometimes you can drill new holes. Brian, do you have some thoughts on that? Like Lewis was saying, we can sometimes attach them back. Sometimes you can't. You, know, you have to just put a new one on, but I would not run it without one. Yeah, because that, that does serve a purpose. Yeah. It routes the air up through the radiator and the condenser to keep the engine cool. Right. Oh. So you don't want to let it hang loose on one side and let the air go past it. Or, and, or get or torn or off. Get torn off completely. Yeah, what will happen on a day like today, you won't notice a lot of difference because it's pretty cool out. Okay. But on a hot summer day in July or August when it's 90 degrees, right. that helps to duck the air up through the radiator instead of it going under the truck. Oh. So it does serve a purpose. And if need be, I'm sure we can still get that part. Okay. If yours is damaged too bad. I don't think they're terribly expensive, $30, $40. So you think you could do that, like, in less than an hour? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. All right. I'll be by the shop sometime this week. Then. Okay, man. All right. Thank, thank you. you, sir. Right. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would sure love to have you. Just go ahead and give us a call. You know, just in case you don't get a chance to call in or don't care to call in, something occurred to you during the week. That's right. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. It's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. That's right. When you get to the site, there's plenty of information. Say you're looking for a question about your vehicle, you can right. go to the vehicle questions. Correct. There's a but about 300 questions that have been uh, answered. and 342, I think, there at you last go. count. <laughs> <laughs> Type some more in there last night. There you go. 
You can search the that database. If Correct. You happen to not find what you're looking for, you can always send Lewis an email. Yeah, that's he'll a get your answer back to you. Within good feature there hours. is you can just hit the contact button and it'll send an email. Just give me the type of car, type of problem you're having, and just go ahead and fill out that whole little form and ask you for the size, engine, and all. If you're not sure, put V8 right. or six on or as much as you know. Just put as much information as you know. That helps me because my answer may be different. For instance, if you say I've got a Toyota Camry with da 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 da. And I don't know if it's a six-cylinder or a four-cylinder. The answer may be completely different. Right. It's two different vehicles two different there. Vehicles. They're built two different – the engines are built two Correct. different ways. So go ahead and fill out all of the information as fully as you can. If you don't know, just put you don't know and right. put what you do know down. And that way I can get a more accurate, accurate answer. answer, yeah, rather than having to try to guess at it. But that's one of the many features on there. Most of it's driven by the menu on the left-hand side, just several selections. One thing, too, is our newsletter that goes out. That's going out on the first of the month, which will be next week. First of every three months, every, every three quarter, months. Okay. quarterly. So if you go ahead and sign up, that will come to your inbox for you. And if you ever get tired of getting it, you just unsubscribe. But you will not get that information any other kind of way. Right. The one that's coming up will be on air conditioning because we're starting to get into the warmer part of the year. Although right. you wouldn't think so this morning. <laughs> well, isn't it? Yeah. But that's the way to get there. And you will have to be signed up before the first to get this one. If not, it'll be three months before you get another one. Correct. So that's one of the things you can do. Several other things. One of the articles that I just recently added was properly checking automatic transmission fluid. And that is under the detailed topics. Correct. You'll see heading. it on the left-hand side just below the menu. And you click on that, and it's going to bring up several photographs and a lot of text telling you exactly how to check the transmission fluid on your car. That's a big deal. It is. If you tend to care for your own car, it right. is a big deal because more and more cars now do not have a dipstick. and You can't check the fluid, or it requires a special procedure to check the fluid. And those that do have a dipstick, it's very difficult to get the correct reading. Right. And if you don't get the correct reading, you may assume it's low when it's not, or you may think it's full when it's not, and you can have lots and lots of problems with that. And transmission is probably one of the more expensive things on a car. Most definitely. You Besides the, the engine and Yeah, that transmission can run up two to $3,000 in a heartbeat, and a lot of that can be prevented. If you have, say, a leak, a small leak, and you don't know about it, and you continue to drive the car... You can take a problem that you may have fixed for 50 or $60 and turn it into a $2,000 or $3,000 problem real very, quick. Very easily. Because fluid doesn't only make the transmission work, it also lubricates it. It's just like the oil in your engine. When you lose fluid, not only do you start losing function and have it slip and stuff, but you also lose lubrication. And the way that transmission is designed, the clutches and all are going to get the main part of the fluid. So if it's low and fluid pressure starts to drop, the clutches are going to get what's there. Right, and the lubrication, and the lubrication will circuits suffer. are going to suffer. Correct. So you can end up burning up a transmission pretty darn fast. So something you might want to take a look at. A little tricky, not exactly. It sounds like it would be real, real simple. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, you would think something that, that basic <laughs> would be pretty simple. You would think. We had a Dodge Caliber come in this week, and that one – they put a dipstick tube, and they put and a no, plug in top of no it. No dipstick. No dipstick. Right. And you can actually purchase a special tool, which is basically a glorified dipstick. Well, how about that? Yeah, from Chrysler if you want to check your fluid. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty silly in my opinion. You know, why go to all the trouble of putting a tube and putting a plug in it? I mean, I don't know how well, much they cost, saved. It costs about three cents per vehicle. It's, I guess. Them, you know? I guess. If you make a million vehicles, that's a lot of cheese. But yeah. Yeah, that's just sort of the kind of stuff that you run across. So, anyway, real good article. There's several other ones on there. One on differential leaks, how a lot of times you can see a leak in your rear differential and mistake it for something other than what it is. And it gives you some real good information. Pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com, agcoauto.com. Tons of good information. I think you'll really enjoy it. Pop on there and see what you think.
There you go. And that's, and that's <laughs> the name of that tune. <laughs> One of the most prevailing emails that I get over and over and over again is about oil, engine oil, and viscosity of engine oil. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that just about everybody sort of thinks they know what it is. Everybody has their own idea of what it is. Something that everybody thinks they understand until you really start to get a little more technical. And then they realize that actually they don't understand what that is, what it does, why you need a certain type of oil in in cars. And we use terms like 10W30 as though that actually means something. That is a Society of Automotive Engineer classification to denote a testing method. For instance, the word 10 or the numbers 10 don't actually mean anything in regard to viscosity, other than you can compare it to another number. For instance, right. if one's 10 and one's 20, you know the one's 20 is thicker than the one is 10. But actual viscosity is measured in what they call centistrokes, and it is the amount of resistance the oil shows to flow at a given temperature. Mm-hmm. So when you see a multi-viscosity type rating like 10W30, what that means, the 10 is the way the oil will flow at zero degrees Celsius. It will flow like a 10-scale oil would flow. Okay. And the top number, the 30, is the way it will flow at 100 degrees Celsius. So it will flow like a 30-weight oil at 100 degrees Celsius. Now, what that means is that 5W30 and 10W30 are both the exact same oil at At temperature. At 100 degrees Celsius. At 100 degrees, running temperature. The difference is at low temperature the 5W30 can respond quicker because it's not going to thicken up as much. In other words, they will both remain 30 weight over their range, but the 5W30 will act like a 5 weight all at 0 degrees Celsius. So it will maintain its viscosity better than a 10W30. Okay. Now, the reason they do that is multiple. One is that it can get to the top of the motor faster to lubricate better. Right. Two, it can run back down out of the motor faster so it doesn't overload the cylinder walls and make it burn all. And three is it lowers what they call the volatility of the oil. In other words, when the crankshaft beats through the oil when it's turning, it produces what they call windage, which throws oil up and into a vapor inside the crankcase. Mm-hmm. The PC system tends to scavenge that out. And what happens, if you have too thick of an oil, it can increase that. Those excessive fumes go into the catalytic converter, which is like adding fuel to the fire. It runs the temperature up, and you can end up burning up your catalytic converter. If you ever notice some of the cars that have had trouble with catalytic converters like Fords right. and Toyotas They've actually and changed. Hondas, they've gone to like 5W20 or even 0W20. Right. So that's an effort to protect those catalytic converters. So when you go and change the viscosity of your oil, for instance, your car calls for 5W20, you say, well, I'm going to put 10W30. It's not that. only the lubrication that you're concerned with. There's all sorts of things that you don't have access to that those engineers have studied and studied and studied and, and they, calculated this is best right. for the car. So that's why you don't want to substitute from what is called for in your owner's manual, even though your neighbor says it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> we, we see that every day. You know, a vehicle will come in with an oil change sticker, and it's got, say, 10W30 on the sticker. Right. You know darn sure it, that vehicle was required to run 520 5W20 or 020 or whatever. Right. They'll say, well, it runs just fine. Well, yeah, it might right now. But you right. may also have a lot of problems down the road by using the wrong oil in it. So. The point is, you don't have to know all this stuff about oil. All you have to know is to do what the engineer who designed the engine said to do. Exactly. And that is put the right oil in, and you can have very few problems if you do that. Hey, we're going to our phone lines with Mark. Good morning, Mark. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, I'm sir. Doing great. I just wanted to compliment y'all because I've been having trouble with a pickup truck. I didn't get to talk to you uh-huh. when I brought it in because you were talking to somebody in okay. your in your shop. Yes, sir. And then I 
I called in and paid for it and picked it up while y'all weren't there. Okay. And I had the 98 Chevrolet. I called in a bunch of times. Yes, sir. I remember that. Change the distributor gear on. Yes, right. And, I mean, that just baffled me for three months <laughs> I worked on that thing. Well, Mark, don't feel bad about it because I've seen some awful good mechanics. Cars today have just, man, they have really, really changed. If you don't work on them every single day professionally, you can really, really get off on a tangent. And you know, that's why I always tell people, man, it's way cheaper to pay a pro to go in and diagnose it, even if you're going to fix it yourself. I tell you about everybody, my friends, all the ones I were involved with, they <laughs> helped me work on it. For all, they helped me a lot and we even looked at the distributor, pulled uh-huh. it out and looked at it, and we just missed it. Yeah, it, well, it you got and I know I gave you the old gear back. Once you right. really know what you're looking for and you see it, wow. Right. And but, you got to look at it kind of just right. right. You do. But what it had done is as that gear wore, the module kept advancing the timing right. because it was retarding itself by wear, wear mm. of the gear. And it advanced timing up to 45 degrees, which is yeah, most it can go. Yeah. And that's why it seemed like it was out of time. Because it was right. popping back and all that stuff. Of course, when that wire broke, then it lost the function to do that. That's when it quit running. And that just broke for me, probably taking stuff apart. Hey, it's could've possible. Been. It's Very possible. Well, it could have. I think you said it was popping and all that, and then it quit running. So, yeah, right. you, you could have broke the wire when you're messing with it. That's what it took to fix it. Fortunately, it didn't take a whole long time to diagnose it, so he was able to get it back to you pretty reasonable. But did, do you have to, if something like that ever happens on something, do you have to set the timing whenever you do it all back, or does it automatically do it? You have to set the base timing. Okay. The, the computer automatically right. sets its own timing and adjusts its own timing, but you do have to set the base timing on that particular model. Right. Which is done with the computer? No, sir. No, you, you actually unplug the pigtail. The, the computer controls the advance on the distributor. Right. So you unplug that, and you set the base timing with a light. Timing light. Okay. With a timing light. Just like you did an old distributor. Okay, and then yeah, when, yeah. when you get done, you plug the connector back in, which it set a code because you unplugged it. So then you okay. have to clear the ECM code, and you're all set to go again. Yeah. So it's, it's a little more It's a little more, it's a little more involved. Yeah, it is. And, and a lot of the newer stuff you can't even do that because right. they don't even have a distributor. All they got is a, a cam sensor or a crank sensor, and, and they even automatically the, set their own timing. Even the later models got away from the – pigtail on the computer and you just set the spark advance yeah the cpk, the CP, CPK. yeah cpk you have to set that with a scan too right well, I, I just appreciate all that i mean it y'all, y'all were very prompt and everything it, well, it great. great. thank you very much Good deal thank you all, all right Ms. Mark. thanks all right. sir bye-bye 499-9526 number if you want to be part of the automotive eye we'd love to have you and we're going to take a quick little break. Al, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. We have an anonymous caller here from the D.C. area. You're on the air. Oh, uh, yes, Mike. I have some serious debt issues. Okay. Let's say I'm in charge of this really big company, and we have this deficit. You know, I thought with the world ending, we'd be okay, but... That didn't happen, and I need some cash. I maxed out all my credit cards, but that barely made a dent. Well, sounds like you need to be on a strict budget. And the first thing I tell you is to make sure you're not wasting money on big-time car repairs. Regular preventative maintenance with Agco Automotive is the key to saving money in the long run and a good way to pay off debt. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Any other advice? You should look into selling your house and downsizing. I don't think I'm allowed to do that. Hey, 
Welcome back. If you just joined us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And that's exactly what Al did. Good morning, Al. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I have an 01 GMC Sierra. Okay. And when I'm out on the road, don't have a bit of problem. It stops signs, red lights, or nothing. It works real fine. Mm-hmm. But if I get to where I'm going, and I have to drive kind of slow, like if I'm in a parking lot when I gotta go around looking for a parking place, yes, sir. it gets to the point where every time I stop, it'll kill. Starts right back up, but it'll kill. Okay. But as long as I'm out on the road, I can come to a stop, and it'll sit there and idle right on through any traffic light or anything. You got any idea what that could be? I really have to see the vehicle right. to tell you for certain. I can give you some broad assumptions on that, just some things that can cause that. The very simplest thing, and I know you're not going to agree with this, but I'm telling you, it's one of the simplest things that we see a lot on that. Make sure that both of your battery cables are good and tight. Because what can happen with a loose battery cable is a little bit. It may crank fine. It may start fine. But if it kind of just loses contact for a split second, the way that vehicle works, it has to learn idle. And if it loses battery power for even an instant, it's going to forget how to idle. And when that happens, it's going to start dying. That's just the simplest thing, not the most common thing. Mm. The next thing I would try is make sure the throttle body is not very dirty on it. Because what happens, the engine has what they call EGR, exhaust gas recycle. Okay. It pumps exhaust gas back into the intake under certain conditions. Now, what that does is that exhaust gas has carbon in it, so it carbons up the back side of the throttle plate. Okay. Now, if you just look in the air horn, it's going to look clean. But if you open it up and look at the back of the throttle plate, it'll be dirty. Uh-huh. Now, the reason that's important is that if that throttle doesn't come to a complete close, when you go to start the car, the computer looks at what they call a throttle position sensor. Mm-hmm. It assumes wherever that throttle blade is is the idle position. And it learns that every time you start the car. Now, let's say it's sitting on a little piece of carbon buildup, and it assumes that that is the idle position. Mm-hmm. Now, you go down the road, it warms up, and the throttle blade closes all the way. Bam, it's going to die because it's below its normal idle f- position. Mm-hmm. So that would be another possibility. The last thing that occurs to me would be the idle control servo, and I'm pretty sure that engine still has it. Not long after that, they went to drive by wire, but I'm thinking you still got idle servo on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the idle servo gets to a point where maybe after you drive it a while and it gets hot, it can't react fast enough, what happens is that when you're driving, it's fine. When you let off the gas, the idle drops way down. That's supposed to pick it right back up again. If it can't pick it up fast enough, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. So that would be the three most common things. Now, beyond that, you're going to be into something like a computer or one of the inputs to the computer just impossible to diagnose without seeing it mm-hmm. but it ought to be setting a code it's not going to turn the light on because it's not an emission problem but it will set a manufacturer's code which mm-hmm. can be pulled so with a factory scan tool. yes sir right. and if you come to us we've got a tech tool which is a gm tool i can pull that code up mm-hmm. if you go to a guy who just has a universal type scan tool he may not be able to get to that information and a, a part store is not going to be able a to get part to store it at can't all. either so mission codes turn lights on and that's OBD too, but it also sets a lot of other codes that do not turn light on. So as long as it does it pretty much all the time, it should be relatively easy to find. But what you could do yourself is get a little 5, 16 inch wrench and just go out there and make sure both those battery cables are real tight. Because I have fixed a few of those with that. It's not common, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. As far as cleaning the throttle body, There's, unless you know what you're doing. Right. There's a special chemical specifically for cleaning the throttle body right. because the throttle body is actually coated. It's anodized. It's anodized. And if you put the wrong material on it, 
you'll eat that ionization off, and it'll start leaking air through the metal. Yeah, then it'll really start dying. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So you if, roll. if you want to attempt it yourself, you need to remove the throttle body and get some throttle body cleaner, and you can do it. But most shops, I know, like we charge about a half hour of labor to do that. It's not really expensive, and you can protect yourself against doing something wrong. But that would be what I would recommend doing in that order. And, and like I said, also scan and see if there's any codes in memory. Could be, like I said, the idle servo is going bad. That's not a terribly expensive part either. Is that idle servo the same as the idle throttle Idle control? Sensor? No, sir. That's two different parts. Throttle position sensor tells it how much throttle you're applying. Okay. The idle servo is actually a little motor or valve that controls the idle by allowing more or less air into the engine. Okay, well, I think I can uh, take care of battery cables, but beyond that, I'm moving my head, but <laughs> I can do that. Yes, sir. Well, just give All us right. a call. We can help you, but try okay. those cables first, because okay. I have fixed a few of them just by doing that. I sure will, and I do appreciate it. All right, Sam. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 the number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Danny on the line. Good morning, Danny. How you doing, Lewis? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Great. Look, uh, you're familiar with my car. It's 2001 Aztec. And, okay. Uh, yesterday, I had an anti-lock brake light, you know, warning light came okay. on. And, you know, of course, I read the manual right, you know, fast and, and you know, stopped. and Doesn't help you a lot. <laughs> and, you know, it stayed out a while and then right. it came back on. So right. just calling to check. I'm not driving the car because the manual says I could lose brakes. Or, well, no, or whatever. that's not going to happen, Danny. you got your, your regular braking system, which stops the car. The anti-lock braking system is strictly an electrical system that monitors the regular brakes, and it only comes into accord when you're in a locked-up situation. It doesn't do anything 99% of the time. When when it sees one wheel locked up, it pulses the brakes on that wheel to try to keep you from locking up. So you're not going to lose your regular brakes. What that would be, we'd need to get it in and test and see why. It'll have a code stored in the anti-lock brake computer, and it's going to be an electrical problem, not actually a brake problem. Oh, okay, great. Okay, Okay, and uh, normally a wheel speed sensor or maybe a wire that's come unplugged. Occasionally the pump will go out on them or the module module valve can hang up, but most of the time on those, either a connection or a wheel speed sensor. Great. Well, okay, I'll I'll get it into you first thing next week. Okay, sounds great, man. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would certainly love to have you. So that's one of the things that that owner's manual, it seems like me, that thing gets thicker and thicker every year and tells With you less, less and this. less. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that's in there basically is there just to set responsibility once something goes wrong. Right. To limit their liability is primarily what it's for. So they'll say just silly things like, always check the oil every time you drive the car. Well, well, who's nobody's going to do that. Yeah. But what that does, if the car that they build is burning oil and it runs out of oil, well, you should check checked oil every time. Right, it's, it's right in the manual. manual. <laughs> <laughs> but yet, it's really not written to help you so much as it is to affix liability once right. something goes wrong. So a lot of times, anytime something car will stop driving the car, well, that's just not practical. You know, you can't just stop driving your car every time sure. a light comes on. And some lights, yes, if the temperature light comes on, obviously you have to stop driving right. it. If the oil light comes on, you have to stop driving it. But a lot of lights are just electrical in nature, and it's just not going to be a danger for you to drive the car. You can't ignore them, right. clearly, but you can certainly drive it for a day or two until you can get it into the shop. Sure. So for something as thick as what they've gotten. <laughs> and they've gotten so, worse. Oh, yeah. It seems there's just less and less information in there of any use to anybody. That's it. So anyway, we're going back to the lines with Jay. Good morning, Jay. Yes, sir. Got a 94 Cavalier 2.2 liter. Uh-huh. 
I need an EVAP canister. It's no longer available through General Motors, and none of the local parts stores have one. When you say EVAP canister, you mean the charcoal canister? Right. Jay, Jim, and Chrysler, and Ford obviously are in trouble right now, and one way they are trying to deal with that is by making things obsolete to more or less try to force you back into buying a new car, which is really stupid in my opinion because all it does is really tick people off. I can buy a Toyota part that's 25 years old and still got it in stock, or I can get it overnight. Right. That part would probably still be available. You may have to go outside the normal dealer network. Ford's got a place called Obsolete Ford Parts, and GM's got something similar. It's a group of investors that have bought up some of their old inventory, and they will sell you that part. Somebody somewhere will have it. Now, just in case you absolutely can't find it, we could probably do is take a charcoal canister from a different model and retrofit it mm -hmm. to the car. Because they all basically serve the same function. They just have different numbers of nozzles and stuff on them. Right. So you may different. be able to get a later model one that would physically fit. You may have to cap well, some lines off. You different bracketry. Put... You could even change the bracketry right. on it if you had to. You may have to screw it down in a different position. You know, you may have to put a T on it or something. But I'm more than sure something like that can be fitted on there. What you might want to do, Jay, use the Internet any? No, I don't have a computer. If you got anybody who's got a computer that's just a little bit computer literate, somebody 18 years old or younger, get them to go on there on, like, Google or something and just key that in, and I guarantee you'll turn up several of them. Okay. That's the easiest way to do it. Okay. You, you'll find a bunch of them out there. They're, they're floating around, you know, because they use the same basic design for a number of years. And worst-case scenario, we just take something off of a later model and make it fit. There you go. I was just hoping you had access to something locally. Yeah, you may or may not find one locally. Chances are you know, most of the dealers don't stock anything that old just because they don't sell enough of them to tie up their dollars in inventory. But there's a dealer somewhere around the United States that has one sitting on the shelf that would love to get rid of it, turn it into cash, there you go. and you just have to have a way to reach him. Now, if you got a Chevrolet dealer with a parts man who's a real parts man, you can go to him and he can run that on his circuit because GM has a computer that will check the inventory of every dealer in the United States. I thought they did. They do. You might want to come by the shop Monday or whenever you get a chance and I'll run it on the circuit for you and see if we can't find somebody who can locate you one. Well, you're a gentleman and a scholar. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lou. All right, Jay. Bye-bye. And one more quick little break and we'll be right back with more. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I really thought the world was going to end. So what did you do? You see, Mike, I quit work and streaked through the cafeteria. I maxed out my credit cards, my grass is waist high, and I can't find my dog. I think the line I bought might have eaten him. And my car won't run. Hmm. Well, first, take your car into Agco Automotive so it'll get fixed right the first time. Then, take it in for regular maintenance to save money in the long run by keeping your car in good shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Well, Mike, there is one more thing. My neighbor DVRs C-SPAN, and I promised I'd spend Sunday afternoons watching it with him. Now... I wish the world really would end. Sorry, uh, can't help you there, buddy. Hey, welcome back. 
back. If you just join us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? It's 499-9526. Ask 499-WJBO. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. What's that you're reading there, Brian? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a magazine laying here on the counter. Zoomer Reports. Uh-huh. Best and worst 09 cars. Yeah. What's the worst? Ag- I don't agree at all. Yeah. Well, I agree with some of the worst they got there for sure. That's something. Yeah. Believe everything you read. What's the worst um, they got in there? An Audi? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'd have to agree with that. Audi and a Volkswagen and yeah. pretty much bed together. And- yeah. Well, as a general rule, in my opinion or my experience, most of the European cars are not exactly what most Americans are looking for in the way of a car. And right. some are. You know, some people love the style. And oh, They yeah. love the handling. They love the performance. And they are great at that. But when it comes to dependability and all that, particularly when they get a little older, and, and getting them repaired. Yeah. You know, most shops don't want to fool with them. Well, a lot the of parts shops are don't. hard to get. They're real hard to get parts for. And, and you know, that's a big concern when you buy a car. And, and when we teach the 12-hour course for LSU on auto awareness, it's one of the things we go into is buying a car. One point is that you want to buy a car that is locally popular. Sure. And what most that definitely. means is that there are more than one dealership and a lot of those cars on the road in the area where you're buying it. For instance, there's nothing particularly wrong with a Subaru. It's a pretty decent little car. Right. However, there's no dealers in this area or no viable dealers. I know one or two have popped up from time to time. They stay around yeah, a while and they, they go, go out. out. So if you've got a Subaru, like I said, it's a pretty good little car, but every single time you go to get a part for it, you're talking three, four days to try to order a part out of town somewhere. If you have any kind of problem, you got to find a shop that's willing, willing to, to work, work on it, it because right. – most shops don't want to have a car tied up for three or four days because they know the customer is going to be aggravated. And so it's rather difficult to get that car serviced. Right. Another thing is if there's only one dealership for a particular brand of car. And should you happen to have uh, wor- fall out or well, have yeah, words? Yeah, or let's say the car has a lot, get of, a lot of trouble and he just won't do his job and you have to go over his head. Well, now you're in a precarious situation exactly. because where you get the car fixed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's particularly true of a lot of the European stuff because most of those only have one dealership at most in right. the area. Some of them don't even have a dealership in the area. So it's just something to think about. You buy, and I'm going to say Toyota. I know I'm always harping on Toyotas just because I like them. But there's, what, four or five major Toyota dealers in the area. Right. Gulf States Toyota, which is the import for the whole United States, is in Houston. So you can get almost any single part overnight Overnight, for that car. And obviously a Chevrolet or a Ford or even a Chrysler, there are multiple dealerships around. There's lots and lots of the cars on the road, so it's not like they're going to just go away tomorrow, although they may. (laughs) (laughs) This time of day, they may. Yeah, but it just pays you to buy a locally popular car. Right. And there's actually a book called The Power of Industry Leaders or something to that effect, and that's what they recommend. When you buy almost any product, if you buy the industry leader, you are probably going, because a lot of people like that product, that's why it's the industry leader. Correct. It's not that everybody didn't like it. Sort of like I remember when I was a kid, Daddy would be looking for a restaurant there. He'd always go to a restaurant with a bunch of cars out front. <laughs> I said, well, there's one nobody there, Daddy. Well, he ain't going there. Exactly. We ain't going there either. <laughs> there's a reason why nobody's there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you want to buy a car that is locally popular, and that's just one of the things that you're looking for. Another thing is that when you buy a car, you want the fewest bells and whistles within reason that you can live with. And when I say within reason, so you don't want a car that's not going to be comfortable for you because you're going to probably have that car for a long period of time. So Most people do. If you like power windows, you should buy a car with power windows because you're going to be aggravated every time you got to crank that window up and down or whatever features. However, you got to know, too, that every 
additional feature that you add to a car takes additional circuitry, additional motors, additional little mechanical devices to make all that stuff work. And all that has a time where it's going to break and it's going to have to be fixed. Right. So you want to keep that in mind. That's why cars like Cadillacs, for instance, tend to have a lot more problems than, say, a Chevrolet. Because they got more features. They got a lot more gadgets and doodads and stuff on there. And I know it's really cool to get a car that recognizes you and starts up when you get in it and you don't have to turn the key and, you know, it parks itself and it talks to you and it syncs with your iPod and all that kind of stuff. But what you got to remember is that junk is going to break one day. Right. And it's probably going to be twelve to 1500 bucks to fix. And then it's not going to be working at all and the car may not even run. <laughs> I was just fixing to say, and a lot of that stuff, when it does break, the car yeah, won't yeah. run. Well, all your check engine lights will pop on everything else, so it's not like you have a choice to not use it. Right. In the past, when something broke, you kind of had a choice. Hey, I'm not going to fix that. I'll just leave it broken. But on a lot of the newer stuff with the CAN networks and stuff like that, it's all tied in. Each part has a little IP address, and it knows it's out there. And when it breaks, man, every light on the dash pops on. That's it. And you've got to fix it. So, you know, those heated cup holders might seem really cool, <laughs> but how often do you really use them? Exactly. And do you want to spend 450 bucks on each one to fix them when they break? That's it. Just know what you're going, know what you're buying when you buy it mm-hmm. is the big thing. Yeah, you buy a car with a good reputation. You know, one way to pick out a car with a good reputation is to look at the resale value of that car. Right. And if you price used cars, for instance, if you go try to price a used Toyota Camry or used Toyota Corolla, you're going to find right off the bat they sell for a real high price. The reason being it's a very desirable car. Right. Lots of people want them. They retain a lot of their value. Go look at some cars, and three years you can buy it for about a third of what it costs new. Exactly. Well, it's because it's not a real desirable car on the used market. And obviously, there are exceptions to that. One exception that I've found is like the Ford Crown Vic. That's a car that the majority of people who buy that car originally are older people, because that's who it appeals to. Mm -hmm. Older people buy less used cars than younger people, simply because they have more resources. Generally, they can afford a new car if they want one. And so, therefore, there is not much demand on the used car market for that car. So you can buy a car, let's say it costs $30,000 new. In three years, you can buy it for about nine or $10,000. Those are real good cars. It's a good, yeah, it's a good buy. Yeah. Because the younger people who might have run the price up by buying this car aren't interested in that car. Right. So just with that little piece of knowledge, you can actually get a pretty darn good deal on a used car. And I know a lot of folks who do that. They'll buy a used Crown Vic or Grand Marquis, something three years old, 30,000, 40,000 miles, almost like brand new for $9,000. Then they'll drive it for 10 years. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the way you want to be in a car. Sure. We're going to take one more quick little break and be right back with more. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I feel terrible. Wow, what'd you do? I maxed out all of my credit cards, bought over 200 pairs of shoes, didn't shave my legs for 60 days, and ate primarily chocolate and breathe the entire month of December. My stomach's still not quite right. Well, in addition to lots of salads, one thing I can recommend to help recoup some money is to take your car to Agco Automotive. Agco's experienced technicians provide you a quote and then stick to that price so you're never surprised by higher cost. And Agco fixes vehicles right the first time. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Oh. 
So, no fruits or veggies for an entire month? Do strawberry Pop-Tarts count as fruit? No, not last time I checked. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive, with Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? And we got John online. Good morning, John. Good morning. Looking at purchasing an 07 Honda Pilot. Okay. The price is right. Mm-hmm. Have you had any experience or seen any issues with that all-wheel drive system? The only problems that we've seen with it, it takes a special fluid in the rear differential, and right. that needs to be changed on a fairly regular basis. And if you don't change it, you'll get a loud popping, clacking noise. You'll think the whole car is about to come apart. Uh-huh. And when we change it, the noise goes away, so obviously it's not doing any damage. That's really the biggest single issue we've seen with them. I really hadn't had a lot of problems with them. Pretty decent vehicle overall. I'm yeah, not, I think they are too. What about, not for me with all-wheel drive system. What about for parts? I think the 07 is built by Honda. It's, it's okay. actually a Honda vehicle. See, Brian was saying parts. Some of the earlier models, I think, were built by Isuzu they for were, Honda. Oh. And Honda never really supported those vehicles very well. Uh, oh, really? When you go to buy right. parts, they kind of, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. you sold a car, man, you know. But I think yeah. the later model pilots are built actually by Honda. I'm 99% sure of that. Of course, you can look inside the door post, and it'll tell you manufactured by right. Honda. Right. Uh, the earlier ones, rather than, they wanted a vehicle in that class, and rather than go in and d- design and build a car of their own, they just went to a Suzu, had them build one and put a Honda badge on it. I see. So okay. that was kind of an issue with some of those. But, yeah, I've really been fairly pleased with that car, John. I hadn't yeah. seen a great yeah, deal of trouble out of it. We don't see many of them. It's like any you know, Honda. Regular, regular routine maintenance yeah, we do. But any right, Honda, right. any vehicle, as long as you take care of it, yeah, it's going to yeah. last you pretty much forever, and if you don't, none of them are going to really hold up very well. Exactly, exactly. All right, thank you, guys. Okay, John, thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. You want to be part of Automotive Fire, we'd love to have you. Just in keeping with John's call about maintenance, that's one of the things that, boy, we're just seeing more and more and more every single day. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but I'd really like to kind of reiterate is these extended maintenance intervals. That's where you buy the car and, oh, this thing is not going to need anything at all for 100,000 miles. That is not in your best interest. Not at all. You know, If you want to see how long you can drive a car until it's time to throw it away without spending any money on it, well, that's then, okay. Yeah, then do that. But if you can't afford to buy a new car, say every 100,000 miles, and throw the old one away, then you don't want to do that. No. The whole reason to do maintenance is because... It's the little cheaper. bit you're going to spend up front is going to protect a greater deal in the long run. Correct. guy was asking me the other day, he says, why should I service my transmission? I said, well, because a transmission service is probably $150 or less, and it's protecting a $3,000 transmission. Exactly. So you can either spend the $150 or you can spend the $3,000. And just changing the fluid and filtering a transmission is not going to mean you're not ever going to have problems because you can still have an electrical problem. You can still sure. have a mechanical failure. But you're not. But you're, you're less likely to have a problem. Greatly lessen your odds of having a problem and you're going to eliminate the lubrication related problems right so that's the reason why you would do maintenance same exact thing with an oil change or anything else can you push an oil change six seven eight nine thousand miles oh yeah you can sure but you're going to pay the price for it down the road yeah 
it's just way cheaper to change the oil more off because the point is not how far can we go without changing our oil. The point is, what's the cheapest way for me to keep this car? Right. And it, that is changing the oil on a regular basis because it prevents problems rather than holding out, running a long time, and then fixing the stuff when it breaks. Because when it breaks, it usually breaks big. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've got one of our customers that's a surgeon, and he's always saying, you know, he says, Lewis, it's a lot cheaper to stay off the table than it is to get off that table. Exactly. And it's the same exact thing in our field. It's a lot cheaper to stay out of that shop than to get out of that shop. Right. If you can prevent problems, that's where you want to be. You're ahead of the curve. With economic times being what they are, I know a lot of folks are looking at layoffs. Maybe they're even thinking about losing their jobs in, in some cases. The natural human tendency is, well, I need to conserve money, so I'm going to cut back on maintenance. Well, that's exactly the opposite of what you want to do. You want to start doing your You, you want to keep do your maintenance more up. maintenance because you cannot afford to replace this car. Right. You need to keep this car. You need to have less problems. So you need to take less chances and do better maintenance. It's going to be a lot cheaper, and that's yeah, you, what Agco's entire philosophy is, is lower overall cost. Spending a little bit up front to prevent a whole lot down the road. Correct. In tough economic times, that's when it's more important than ever. If your car has 70, 80, 90, 100,000 miles, now's the time to get it in. Don't wait until it starts breaking. Because if you continue to drive it without maintaining, it's going to go a little bit further. Well, today's new cars are going to go as far as they can. They will. And you'll never know if you have a problem until it just can't go anymore. Well, a car with 70,000 miles is sort of like a man 45 or 50 years old. He's still in pretty good health. If he's taking care of himself up to that point, if he has not taken care of himself, that's when he's going to start seeing health concerns right if he smoked up until then maybe he drank maybe he's a little overweight whatever he's gonna start seeing problems after 45 and the more he does that the more problems he's gonna have same with your car it's not too late when you're 45 to get yourself back in shape right to discontinue some of your things that are hurting you and to get yourself in shape to where you don't have the problems when you're 60 70 80 years old and same thing with your car if you wait until you got a hundred thousand miles and it quits running and you bring it to us you got a big bill well we've got a term called nefer not economically feasible to repair now is that in the glossary <laughs> that's in the glossary all right <laughs> so you don't want to be nefer exactly <laughs> but i'd say one or two times a week we do get a car that is nefer oh, just definitely. not economically feasible repair hey call st vincent paul have it hauled yeah. off there's nothing See you can do up. it just needs too much now and all that could have been prevented if you just started doing the maintenance a little bit further down the road. Sure. Hey, we're going to see all our lines are lighting up. We're going to go back to the line with Jimmy. Good morning, Jimmy. Hey, good morning. Yes, good sir. morning. Look, just let me tell you, I appreciate y'all's call. I really enjoy listening to well, it. Thank you. Thank you. Older, older vehicle, 94 S10 Blazer. Okay. The rear window will not release. Now, I've taken the, the console out, the little receiver down there for you, you know, your remote control. Mm -hmm. I've got fire going into it, and when I push the button, i got fire coming out of it. I took the. I finally got it open and everything yesterday, mm -hmm. but I'm not getting any fire to the little motor back there. Is there a relay somewhere in between there? Almost surely I'm there, sure is. there is. Yeah. Right, where is it at? That's my That's question. Don't know off the top of my head on a 94 mile. It's just too far back. If you send me an right. email, I'll look it up and service data for you. Do you I do that? Do you yeah. still have the owner's manual? No. Okay. Yeah. No, some people do. I was... Yeah. Fire off an email yeah. to me, uh, Jimmy. Just that's too old for me to remember. Hey. I'll look it up for you and tell you where it is. But I'm sure there is a relay somewhere in there. Yeah, I love that little. This, this thing is old, and but but I love it, and, and I yeah. really I like to yeah, keep you know, it. Oh, absolutely, man. I, I keep mine forever. I, I just got rid of an '86 El Camino because a guy gave me more money for it than it was worth. And I'd still be driving it if he hadn't. <laughs> well, I just, I just got rid of an 86 Toyota truck because somebody rear-ended me and knocked me into the car I was waiting on. So yeah, yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. 
I'd still have you. Thank you all. All right, all Jimmy. Right. Thank Both you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526. A number of you are part of the Automotive Hour. We got Bill online. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Good morning. Question for you. Sure. Triton V10. Uh-huh. What do I need to look out for? I just picked up a motorhome that's got that in it. That Ford V10? Yeah. Basically, Decent motor. It's a lot like the 5.4 and the 4.6. It's just got two extra cylinders. Basically, Bill, just keep the maintenance up on it. And other than that, there's no particular problems I'm aware of with that engine. They had a few overheating issues with them, but I think that was more people not changing the coolant on a timely basis. Uh, like what? Well, they'll overhe- overheat and, and blow the head gas. Yeah, I would be changing that coolant every three years with yeah. no regard to mileage. Just because in a motorhome, it's going to take you forever to get to 50,000 miles. Yeah, yeah. And okay. what happens, coolant is a chemical, and so it's a chemical reaction. It's occurring 24-7, whether you drive it or not. So about every three years, I'd be changing that coolant out. So it, need, it, it should be changed? Yes, sir, definitely. And, and, and it needs to be done properly. You need to use distilled water, pre-mixed before you pour it in there. No, no, you're going to do this. Okay, well, ain't no problem. <laughs> uh, what about doing plugs? I, I heard... Well, the 5.4 had that. I'm not sure that V10 is going to be the same problem. I don't think that it is. Hey, I'm sorry, just totally out of time. But if you send me an email, I'll be glad to discuss anything else with you. Hey, I appreciate everyone listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.